Good afternoon and welcome to the latest edition of the Solar Media Podcast. I'm Liam Stoker and Andy Colthorpe is joining me through the wonders of remote technology. How's it going, Andy? Not bad, thanks. Um, I hope the internet telephony can disguise uh, the slight colds that I managed to catch because it's the end of the working year here in Britain. So obviously that's, that's a tradition that we all have. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we, we can't last a full year without succumbing to some kind of sickness. And, uh, and Andy managed to, managed to wait until the last working day of the year to get his. Yes. I think I've done one sick day the whole year, so there you go. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually, no, there's just about fewer than me, but um, yeah, you know how it goes. Not bad, not bad. Right, so yeah, what are we doing today? We're doing a, a little special roundup one, are we? Yes, special yes, so we're going we're gonna to take both a look back at a year, um, find out what's been catching our attention, um, some of the things that most notably happened to, to the uh, clean energy sector, um, or the sectors that we cover, and then we'll probably take a little bit of a look forward, have a few predictions, and... And then wrap up, I guess, with some, some things about what, what people can look forward to from us. Sounds pretty good to me. Excellent. So, Andy, what's, um, what are some of the biggest stories that have been catching your attention this year? Yeah, sure. So, well, a quick kickoff to say thank you very much to everyone who's visited, read, um, contributed, and otherwise supported our, our work during the year. Um, obviously, on a, on a personal level, it's been a really big year for ESN. And we've exceeded, uh, you know, record numbers of page views. I think we're more than a thousand of you from around the world, and yeah, not just in the places you'd expect as well. Have been uh, been reading, so that's been fantastic. But obviously, I guess uh, part of the credit of that has to go kind of to the whole issue of climate urgency, um, and of course, in terms of the actual technologies themselves and the companies that are coming forward and the solutions to those climate problems that are coming forward. Obviously, the excitement around that has, has clearly driven. So it's obviously not just the hopefully very high standard of our work and very high quality of what we do, <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, it just shows that there's a, a lot of these uh, bigger problems really going on at the moment. Yeah. And so it's it only really just occurred to me as we're putting together some notes for this wrap-up that we're we're entering a big decade, not just a big year now. So. Yeah, 2020 is going to be a big one going forwards, but uh, yeah, before we get into that, over this year, so 2019's biggest stories on ESN. Should we do a countdown from five down to one? I, I, I think I think you probably have to do that. I think you have to start from. You have to go in like full on top of the pot. That's a bit, that's that's a bit more fun, isn't it? Number, number one. Yeah, definitely. All right. Cool. All right. So, um, so if you could edit in the. Uh, Requisite <laughs> number five, <laughs> number four, and so on. Um, so at, in, in the number five, <laughs> and um, this one is that the it was. Hang on, sorry. Let me just rejig this format then. Let me rejig the format because I've not got the actual statistics in front of me. I've just got the news stories themselves. So apologies for that hiccup there. So in at number five. From the 20th of May this year, German energy storage system proves batteries profitable without subsidies. And this one contributed by Tom Kenning, deputy editor at PV Tech, and it was that the primary control reserve market in Germany, which is you know one of the earlier ancillary services markets to really take off and fast response batteries to take part, 
Um, basically, the German state of Brandenburg inaugurated a 22-megawatt battery energy storage system uh, through developer Enetog, um, Le Clanchet, Enel Green Power. Um, yeah, basically, those three parties built the, the project. And um, yeah, as I say, the battery is able to deliver stored energy within 30 seconds and reduce the curtailment of power from renewables. And the really, I think what really got people's attention with that is that the project demonstrated as the, um, sorry, Antonio Camisecro, head of an old green power commented at the time, uh, that project itself demonstrates how energy storage um, on an unsubsidized basis is becoming an integral part of renewable energy systems. So that was, uh, that was really a no-brainer uh, to go in as a top story there. Sure, sure. So, and then roughly tied with that story, actually, in terms of visitor numbers, was one that maybe hints about technology for years to come, rather than something we've covered a lot of. Uh, and in fact, that is on fuel cells. Okay. So, yeah, so this is kind of, um, this is one from September, mid-September. Uh, September the 17th, to be precise, and it's one that I wrote after the Solar and Storage Live show in England. So, okay, so well. Solar and yep. Storage Live for the uninitiated is uh, one of the big, well, I think it's still just about the, the biggest solar and storage trade exhibition in the UK. It brings together a lot of the, um, well, I mean, it does exactly what it says on the tin, really. It's, it's the, mm -hmm. the UK's solar and battery storage supply chains meeting together at, at, at the MEC for three days in Birmingham and basically try to do as much business as possible while also plotting the, the, the future path, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's, that's one that we've kind of, uh, obviously, because it's our home, home territory, uh, that's one that we, you know, you and I have been to time and again over the last few years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot to see, albeit, yeah, I mean, compared to, yeah, a couple of the other bigger, I mean, SNEC in China is 200,000, and, and obviously it's not that many people going to be at the uh, UK one, but it still does a very healthy three to 5,000 people visiting there. So sure. among those visitors was uh, Tesvolt, the German energy storage system integrator. And um, Tesvolt's done a lot of interesting work in kind of working with a lot of different types of companies, system integrator companies in the UK. So sorry. So Tesvolt provides the systems and they, they integrate on the design level, but um, right. partners such as MSP um, in the UK are their sort of system integrated partners in the UK. And in turn, MSP introduced us to an interesting company called Alkali Fuel Cell. So um, there's a lot of acronyms there. <laughs> Apologies <laughs> for that one. But, yeah. So MSP is a green economy with uh, acronyms is yeah. unlike anything other I've ever, I've ever known. Yeah, I think that's something we're going to have to uh, have to look to address over the coming decade, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do better on that. So I'll make it a little bit easier. So Multisource Power is the name of the company, and they're they're a system integrator and inverter manufacturer. They're partnering with an alkali fuel cell um, company. Now, interesting thing is that alkali fuel cell aren't kind of a huge, huge company. I think you know they're the fuel cell technologies as uh, the uh, the managing director of AFC told us um, was fuel cell technology was originally used in space programs, um, and then it was bought up by a lot of big players, and then more recently it's kind of fallen somewhat into academic institutions and startup territories kind of thing. Um, so 
So what um, Adam Bond was saying to, to, that was really interesting to him was that that means that at the moment there's a lot of scope for companies like Alkali Fuel Cell who are actually taking these fuel cell systems and trying to make them much, much more distributed and much, much more affordable, essentially. Um, to, to be, yeah, so to, in places like the developing world, um, where you've got you know, off-grid um, mining industries and things like that, um, but then not just you know big commercial installations, but anywhere where you've got lots of diesel being used um, in imported places, uh, you know liquid, um, you know LNG uh, used in Japan could be replaced. So that was a yeah, that was a really un it was kind of an unexpected story, but but it makes sense why it was uh, such a big deal, really, I guess. Sure, sure, sure. Cool. So, all right, cool. So moving to number three. I've realized that, as usual, I've uh, become more enthusiastic than I have been fastidious in my preparation. And I've actually got a list of about 20 stories in front of me. But <laughs> I could keep it disciplined. Uh, on anybody, the, uh, anybody, anybody who's read Andy's work on ESM will know that uh, he does like to pack in as much detail as possible. Well, the problem is that when we started working here, I didn't realize we don't get paid per word, Liam. So I'm <laughs> certainly not necessarily the best writer, but I'm definitely one among the more uh, can't name the long word prolific. Yeah. All right, cool. So yes. Yeah, so, so okay. So yeah, another. What's nice is again about these, um, even just a short list of these top stories, is that they really give you a good sense of what the big topics were. So, so what we've had already, we've had um, unsubsidized energy storage, uh, we've had fuel cells, which is something that could move us beyond just batteries. So batteries will still be important, but you know, right. other things will come in. And then the other, one of the other really big stories of the year was, of course, recycling um, of and not just of lithium. And not just of lithium-ion batteries, but obviously they are what gets the headlines, and that's really what was discussed um, in detail this year. Mm. So from, from the 5th of July 2019, um, regular listeners will remember from last episode, we took my hands, Eric uh, Mellon, who is the consultant with Circular Energy Storage. And um, he's a recycling and circular economy kind of uh, expert. And the headline was, lithium batteries are far more widely recycled than second-hand statistics imply. Um, and we'll keep this one brief because actually the story's already moved on quite a lot since then. Um, but essentially is that um, an oft-cited figure is that 5% of lithium batteries, just 5% are recycled, when in fact that statistic is itself now nine years old. So there's a lot more on that. We've had technical papers from Hans Eric, and we've had um, technical papers from other folks on this subject as well. So I would just say, yeah, to our readers, just keep an eye on that because the other thing that later came to light was that um, it's quite possible that companies will see that recyclable lithium as, uh, you know, as a, as a market in of itself and right. the volumes of that. Yeah, so in, in other words, we might not have to pay people to take the lithium away. It might be the other way around. So, um, yeah, that's another one to kind of, not want to battle with the Christmas naysayers with, let's say. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, so yeah, don't say nay to Christmas, Liam. That's that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> right, what's it, what, what have you got up next then? All right, cool. So moving rapidly on, um, Lockheed Martin. Yes, so uh, this is one of the one of the uh, one of the big ones this year. It was, and yeah, again, we widely discussed this in our December pods. 
Um, Lockheed Martin, obviously, dispensing aerospace space giant. Um, we interviewed them towards the end of September, and it was a month or two because obviously they're a large company and it's a big deal. Uh, it took us a while to get the approval out, but as soon as that story was published at the end of November, um, yeah, it was a very big story. So I was lucky enough to speak to a VP of business development there who kind of basically gave us, I guess you call it the top level hype that everything's going swimmingly, uh, were his words, um, and that they're on track to begin serial production towards the end of the year. So if they haven't already, they've got six days. Um, and then the four... <laughs> We'll launch into the market sometime next year. So yeah, I mean that's one that people can read very widely about from our magazine. Uh, sorry, on the site obviously, uh, but then also in PV Tech Power 21, um, yes. which have just hit the digital shelves in uh, mid December, and um, that's got a lot of detail and an in-depth um, analysis piece on flow batteries, um, and then uh, a fun list article on. Um, Long duration storage technologies of various kinds, sorry. Uh, it's been a long year. So there you go. Um, so 3rd of May 2019, in uh, tied first position for ESN top story of the year. This is a big macro story, and the other one's a big micro story. So the World Bank has unveiled a multi-million pound, uh, sorry, multi-million, well, whatever currency, dollar scheme, to minimize impact to a global rush for mineral resources expected as renewables surge to become a core part of the energy mix, wrote Jose Rojo Martin, um, as the World Bank offered supply chain support to the renewables industry, but more tellingly said that over the coming years uh, to 2050, a near 1,000% demand increase for lithium um, 585% demand increase for cobalt, nearly 400% demand increase for graphite might well be expected. Um, so, yeah, just basically looking at, um, and this is something that really I've kind of wondered about and worried about for a long time in terms of the commodities markets as they are affected by, you know, um, energy storage and solar and so on. So obviously, you know, as we said before, renewable energy uh, well, it needs to be renewable at every kind of point in the supply chain, ideally, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 a similar argument with, it's a similar yeah. argument with electric vehicles, isn't it? Like, you, you do need, um, it's pointless getting an electric vehicle and then plug it into charge and it's it's deriving that energy from, from fossil fuels because you're just offsetting it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, albeit with with uh, EVs, obviously, you've got the difference that the pollution is at least, you know, not concentrated yeah. within the cities. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a similar sort of thing. But then that said, I mean, this was in May. Um, the World Bank, um, you know, it's safe to say, I think some of the biggest institutions aren't the fastest ones to move. So in terms of the cobalt one in particular, I think the industry, you know, industry and friends um, are already really wrestling to deal with that one. So whether that's finding alternative sources of cobalt, finding more fairly sourced, you know, uh, sources of cobalt, or actually uh, just reducing drastically or reducing altogether the amount of cobalt that goes in. Sure. Um, so among those, like for example, Zonin uh, will be quick to point out that uh, their choice, choice of lithium-ion phosphate 
um, for their storage systems uh, makes sense not just from you know what they see as a technical appeal, but also the impact of no cobalt being in it. Uh, similarly, but not quite the same, Tesla does use cobalt, but has put out uh, reports on the conflict minerals um, side of things, and is committed, so they say, to um, well reducing or getting rid of that. And North, well, who we said has gigafactory ambitions. Um, to build, I think it's more than 50 gigawatt hours in Europe across Sweden and Germany of battery, uh, well, everything from cells to systems. Um, they're also very keen to, um, yeah, I mean, be as accountable as possible in terms of the cobalt. Yeah, yeah. So, Andy, right, what's, cool. the, what, what's, what's the number one story or the other number one story on ESN this year? Uh, drum roll, put no, let's not bother the drum roll. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, it's one that we talked about. Nice, we've gone pure high tech. <laughs> Me literally banging on the table. Well, I mean, I've been I've been uh, singing the praises of GarageBand on on the uh, on the Mac for the last few days. Actually, <laughs> there you go. Who needs it? Don't even need that. But yeah, so number one story of the year, and it's a story of next year, and you know, it's a big story for all time. So Germantown disconnecting from the grid and going 100% renewable energy. Caveat for one hour. Is it one hour? I thought it was a bit longer. Uh, no, no, it was one hour in the trial. Right. It's going to be forever from next year, though. And that's the really big deal. That's the really yeah. big deal of it. So, yeah, so I think it's Border Time is the name of the town. Um, basically, has been built with uh, some pretty neat kit. And obviously, you can read all about that on the site. But it includes SMA uh, controllers and inverters. And a project executed by Res uh, Renewable Energy Systems Group, and that was one for a competitive competitive tender as well. So while we're talking about unsubsidised um, energy storage systems, uh, we're talking about yeah. I mean, the point is that these solutions, and as we've seen in a lot of other projects throughout the year, these solutions have been picked not because they're the most environmentally friendly, although they often are. They're picked because they work economically. And so, yeah, so the town uh, bought us home uh, in a project part funded and helped by the European Union, um, but, you know, as I say, one that is executed on a commercial basis, uh, uses, again, lithium manganese cobalt batteries, uh, 10 megawatt peak power output, 15 megawatt hour storage capacity. And the town already was 75% renewable, but the um, 8,000 or so inhabitants uh, expect to see it reach 100% during 2020. So that's a system that does a lot of the um, clever trading and um, frequency containment services, and so services stuff. But then it is also essentially a very effective uh, buffer and, uh, well, just container, really, for renewable energy and, um, yeah, letting a combination of wind and solar uh, get onto the grid. So it's a good news story. And it's easy to, uh, you know, um, maybe miss that because it's uh, it's just an hour. But luckily, our readers are pretty savvy and smart people, and therefore, I'd like to thank them for making it the top story of the year. I know. I guess one of the big things is from that story for me is that it's it's paving the way for for what's possible in in, in the future. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, the interesting thing is that this is a town that is not completely in the middle of nowhere, so it's not like it needed a microgrid 
um, you know, to stop it just using diesel or whatever. Um, it's not like it was. Um, and at the same time, yes, yeah, I think a lot of what we're going to see next year, if we're going to get onto that pretty quickly, I guess, um, a lot of what we're going to ne see next year is going to include a lot of these microgroups in kind of semi-urban environments as well, isn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. And I think it's great that, yeah, and it, it's good to see on a technical level, and um, and it's nice that obviously the group partners have kind of been able to share that as well with uh, sort of the rest of the industry. So, you know, you've got all the um, the power shutters in California is the obvious one that everyone's talking about. Um, but it's not just going to be in terms of emergency and backup that people will want to be able to use these kind of solutions. It's going to, yeah, just from a general decarbonization angle as well, I think, obviously, it's going to be a, be a pretty big deal. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, on on, on to my part of, uh, of, of the show now, and I'm going to basically... Um, mm -hmm. Whereas Andy's looked look back a little bit, I'm going to look very much forward. Um, for those of you who do read our current news publication, um, you would have seen that over the last few weeks, basically throughout December, and we're going to continue this into January, we've been having people in, in the industry um, give us their, their, their forecast. So we're asking them to look into their crystal balls and, and give us a bit of, of a prediction for what might happen in uh, 2020. Uh, it's something that we did um, in a in the run-up to Christmas and the New Year last last year, and it, it, it proved particularly popular. There was some some pretty good, um, there was some some really good predictions actually that, that turned out to be pretty much on on uh, on the money. So uh, as I as I've said, we, we've we've done it again, um, and I'm putting my head above the parapet on behalf of uh, of the Soda Media editorial team and giving my my predictions this year as well. Ooh, um, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, no pressure at all. Um, I think top, top of my prediction is this. I think next year, um, throughout Europe and, and probably across um, other other continents as well, I think I think next year will be the year where you'll see a lot of um, renewables hit really, really hitting their stride and, and hitting the mainstream. So we've seen towards the end of the year in, in the UK in particular quite a few subsidy-free solar projects come to the fore. Um, I, I think that's going to really, really catapult in 2020. We, we've obviously seen developments in, in um, southern Europe, in, in Spain and, and Portugal in particular, uh, some other stuff going ahead in Italy. I think you'll see that that subsidy-free element really spread northwards um, in, into maybe, kind of, uh, it, well, especially in the UK. I think, I think you'll see quite a few big developments come through. I mean, things have been pretty. Um, things have been pretty. Uh, let's say, well, pretty crazy, really, and, and particularly Portugal and Spain over the last few months. Um, been, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's just been at an absolutely incredible pace, I think, mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's really kind of. Um, I think that that's that's the kind of marker, um, or set, the industry set the marker for for what we we'll see next year. Right, yeah, because I mean, those are markets that people are expecting to see take off for a long, long time, and uh, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. and just getting there. So, so I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, what's going to drive that innovation northwards? Do you reckon? Is it just that the costs are coming down enough in the UK as well now? Um, I think I think it's definitely some element of cost. Um, mm. Obviously, sort of module um, prices keep keep falling um, at quite alarming rates. Um, I was speaking to um, some developers. And the thing about the UK market is that um, it's just, I mean, that, that 
subsidy driven two or three years where the market chucked in gigawatts or so at kind of breakneck speed. Developers really could learn how to drive efficiency quite significantly in, in the UK market, and that hasn't gone away, and people are still um, being able to tap into that efficiency. So there's quite a few big names in the market that we've spoken to mm-hmm. who have left the UK and gone to do some stuff in America and in Australia and, some, and in some other hot, hot markets for, for soda, and they will all come back to the UK for that because these markets aren't as efficient as us, whether it's in um, cutting costs off on, on the other side, the, the, the um, sophistication of the finance structures. Um, it, it, it just seems to be a lot more efficient at bringing through these projects or, or being able to, to find economic cost-cutting, um, for want of a better word, in, in terms of bringing these projects forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess something else that I reckon, and you know, I think we probably all do, will be a big theme of next year. I guess is that the, in addition to that cost cutting and, and efficient, um, yeah, the trimming of the fat. Uh, there's also the likes of. So last week we talked, you were talking about the Gridser project, right? Sure. So I mean, in, in terms of innovation, uh, it won't just be the UK, but elsewhere, things like bifacial modules and yeah. um, combining those with. Um, trackers of various kinds, and then combining that with batteries and a smart business case for batteries and smart technologies, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all, all of these pieces of the jigsaw are coming together at just the right time. Cool. So this is all running into the Smart Solar Storage 2020 concept, right? Yes, exactly. I think we're going we're gonna to touch on that in a few minutes, aren't we? All right, Just cool. Give, okay. give, give, give a bit of a peek behind the curtain there. <laughs> Go on then. So yeah, predictions-wise, what else do we got? Yeah. So I um, another thing I, I reckon will really come to the fore next year. Uh, this perhaps more again more maybe more focused on the UK, but I can see this spreading. Um, I reckon that so in in the UK market we've just had our fourth fourteenth um, energy supplier of the year go bust. Um, right. um, okay. So Ofgem have, have again had, had to intervene there, um, and I can only see this this kind of supply market upheaval um, really, really take hold next year. I think you, you could see, not necessarily a bit of a bloodbath, but there will certainly be a lot of um, upheaval. Um, you, it, and I think this will spread to some of, the, some of the bigger players as well. So far, there haven't been too many, I think the, the, the businesses or the energy supply businesses which have um, gone out, well, have gone bust or, or and had to close have been all quite small. But when you look at the state of some of these some of these businesses, um, I, I mean, you've just got to look what take one look at some of the so the stories emanating out of Empower um, in recent months. They they haven't been great, um, and they paint the picture of, of a company which just hasn't got got hold of of where the market's headed. Um, and I, I can only see that again or accelerating even further. You look at I mean, yeah. you look at sort of some of the. I think that, that volatility was spread across the board as well. You know, I mean, a couple of weeks ago in the UK, we had a bit of a winter storm, which sent um, the wind um, generation absolutely surging. So I think it was about 40% of the supply market at, at, at one stage. Mm. And you had 10 consecutive hours of, of, of negative pricing on, 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 on the spot market. That, mm. That's for, for, for companies which can't... Um, I, can't really well leverage the the day ahead markets. That's it, it's 
it, it, those kind of spells are significant. Um, and yeah, this you'll see a lot of the market volatility as well. Further headwinds with the off-chain um, off price cap continuing to bite. It, it, it just it just doesn't it just doesn't bode well for a market where you can think there's a lot of stability and a lot of certainty. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I would have, you know, thought as as someone who doesn't cover the UK sort of every day, like, I mean, I keep hearing a lot about these independent suppliers that are going not going so well, and I just feel like that's kind of a double tragedy in a way because it feels like for a long time um, the greater part of the UK's problem energy-wise has been kind of the lack of competition by the big six uh, to the yeah. traditional big energy suppliers. And, you know, not, not to demonize the big six as such, um, but at the same time, there was this idea that all these new uh, independent providers would might compel some of them to be more renewable in order to compete or whatever. But you you'd kind of think it sort of plays into their hands politically that they could turn around and say, well, hey, look, these these independent little guys, maybe they're just not the people to be trusted. And it should be the guys who've always had their hands on the pump. But that said, what I'm hearing as well is that it's not just the independents, in other words, um, that are feeling the pinch. No, no, exactly. And and that's I think you'll you'll really see that become quite evident. Um, mm. Maybe maybe in the early early part of, of next year when um, when we get into the results season. Right. Okay. And of course, internationally, that whole just the whole changing face of energy markets everywhere, you know, um, from centralized to decentralized and kind of the more aggregated and digitized platforms and sure. hopefully more democratized platforms, that's going to be another big thing of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that actually is sort of relevant to, to what I'm going, I'm kind of stepping out a little bit with, with, my, with my last prediction. I, I think you'll well, see, I think uh -huh. you'll see one, major, major piece of M&A activity which is completely out of the left field. Um, I've, I've just got a feeling that there, there'll be a major kind of either acquisition or merger, whether that's two suppliers creating a, a massive entity or yeah. someone, someone getting involved and, and re-entering the space with a huge amount of activity and gusto. Um, oh, I've, just got, I've, just, I've just got a feeling there might be something in the midst. Oh, come on, then. Stop hinting. Tell us what it is. <laughs> I basically have no... I've got no, no really? inside scoop, nothing like oh, that. Okay, I've, okay. Just, I've just got a feeling that given yeah. the amount of, of M&A that, um, yeah. that we both reported on and, and, and heard sure. of could be in the mix, I can, I can fully see whether that's a, a, a major IT giant getting getting involved in the space or right. um, a, a telecoms player buying a retailer because that creates a bundled service. I don't know. It, it, just, just something like that. I, I feel that there's the likelihood of, of, of that could happen. Just tap the phone receiver when you get to the right one. I'll just delete that as applicable in about a year and make me sound I, really, I really, really... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. But I mean, that is to say, you know, yeah, just looking back across the, the year that's, that's gone, really, in terms of the acquisitions and stuff, and, and actually 2018, 2019 as well, you know, we saw so much going on that, that yeah, it's, it's hard not to see a pattern emerging, really, isn't it? And yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, there's a couple, couple of things, if I could just quickly add on that. Sure. 
if you don't mind, yeah. I mean, one thing, obviously, is that the commitment of the larger players to independence once they've taken them over. Like, I'm really, like, that's quite a wary, you know, something that I think people should be wary about as, sure. as it kind of involves, because, you know, the bigger, bigger hand isn't always the safer hand. Um, but also, just a really quick observation from what I've seen in terms of the U.S. space, actually. Um, and that's the, you know, we talk a lot about the big utilities in places like California, you know, the impact of P, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric uh, possibly going bankrupt, for example, has made a transformative effect. We're often talking about utilities making long-term plans now um, that include energy storage and solar. Um, but during 2019, I think what people outside the U.S. might not have realized is the role that municipals and co-ops, uh, cooperative electric associations played. Um, and that's a really big little big wedge that I kind of feel like we've missed out from mentioning in uh, in previous pods. And I just wanted to get that on the record before the year ends that that you'll see all kinds of different ownership models, um, all kinds of different types of entities moving. And, and you'd be surprised that perhaps what look like some of the, the quieter players might actually be more instrumental than, than people realize. So that's that's my mysterious. Uh, quasi-prediction as well for the year, I guess. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, so, Andy, to, to, to wrap us up um, for this, the, the kind of last edition of, of the podcast for the year, um, what, what can we expect from us next year? Sure. Well, I did just want to say again that, you know, it's been a great year and, and we do want to thank everyone that's helped us. Um, I don't want to run through just names because I think we're going to leave people out and it won't be fair. Um, but yeah, we really want to thank not just those that obviously support us commercially and you know those that that um, but but also people that actually contributed and, and gave us their expertise and their time and uh, you know it's very kind in a lot of cases and it's not you know not everyone that speaks to us has got something to sell necessarily um, a lot of people are just very happy to offer their expertise and uh, yeah we really we really do appreciate that and, and of course the, the readers as always so I think the main things that I'm really excited about. Um, on a personal level, um, I'm going to Tokyo um, for a good portion of the year. And yeah. So, yeah, so this is yeah, mainly on a, on a professional level. There's going to be a lot of stuff to find out from there. So watch out for what I managed to get on there, albeit I will still be doing the day-to-day energy storage news stuff from other parts of the world. Um, but yeah, we'll be looking in things like the deregulated energy market in Tokyo. So as you were just mentioning, the utilities kind of changing. Um, the utility supply space is changing in the UK. It's very much changing in Japan as well. Um, so a lot of players are going over there, and then and it's obviously not just Japan. Lots of other countries are wrestling with these topics. So, yeah, we'll be looking at smarter electricity networks and cleaner electricity networks, um, things like procurement and ownership of energy storage and renewable assets by utilities, co-ops, and so on. Um, and then the other really big topic is really going to be what we've called the Smart Solar Storage 2020 series. Yes. Yeah, and so under that comes some of those subsidy-free bifacial solar projects and things like that. Uh, but also just published, and this is some great uh, holiday reading, um, is a blog on what the modern power plant should look like from Alex O at um, NextTracker. So he's the CTO and co-founder there. Yeah, can can definitely recommend getting uh, well reading and and getting really abreast of this topic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's essentially how a clean power plant 
can go toe to toe and compete with fossil fuels. And that's, I mean, basically, the problem is that once we've published that and everyone gets wind of it, that's our job's just done, isn't it, really? I suppose. And we, that's just the rest of the year finished for us. I, I, I hope so. <laughs> then, we can, then we can just call it a day. <laughs> yeah. We can sell, sell up solar media for 300 million, like uh, Alex and his team managed to do uh, with Next Tracker a few years ago. Uh, but yeah, no, in all seriousness. In all seriousness, that, that is one that we've published just before the end of the year, um, but it really sets out what, you know, the way we're going to kick fossil fuels in, in the butt uh, <laughs> over to 2020 and through that decade, really. And so that's a really interesting series. It's the first one's just been published, and Alex and his uh, uh, co-collaborators will be working with us on that over the next few months, too. And I believe that you might well come up with some things on that theme as well, I hope. Yes, yes, so um, we're just putting the finishing touches to uh, the plan for Peter Power 22, which will hit the shelves in February. Um, but you can expect more on the, solar, the smart solar storage series on, on PV Tech uh, for that year as well. Excellent. But, um, go on. I was, I was, I was going to wrap up, Andy, unless you've got anything else. In, I, was just say, Liam, I was just going to say, Liam, I've talked a lot about myself. What have you got to look forward to over, over next year? Um, as you say, not not too much to be perfectly honest. We, we're we're going to be. It's just more of the same for us, continuing continuing to uh, get a lot of stuff out out the door and and keep plugging away with uh, with all of the sites, I guess. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're too modest. You're too modest. Trying to get you to <laughs> trying, to, trying to get you to talk through all various things. Okay, then. Uh, yeah. No. It's been. Uh, we've really enjoyed doing this podcast series so far, right? Yes, yeah, and um, you can definitely expect more of uh, more of this podcast to come, even from uh, uh, the, the the occasional uh, blast from Tokyo with with some additional guests, um, some some new speakers, and hopefully just just more output from us. Indeed, you do. All right, cool. Thanks very much, Liam. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, thanks, um, thanks for your input, Andy. Always, always appreciated. Um, but other than that, from me, um, a massive thank you to all of our listeners um, over the last over the last three months, um, all of our readers, and we wish you a, a happy holiday season and a prosperous new year. Here at Soda Media, we don't just provide industry-leading news; we're also quite accustomed to throwing the odd event. February and March 2020 sees the return of our famous spring portfolio featuring Soda Finance and Investment London, the Energy Storage Summit series, and more. Even better, listeners to the podcast can receive exclusive discounts to attend. Simply email marketing at sodamedia.co.uk with the word podcast in the subject to receive your discounted rate. For more information on the event series, head to www.solarenergyevents.com.